1: From ABC News, this is the 2021 Year in Review. Join us as we look back at some of the top stories as they were originally reported. Here is ABC News correspondent Alex Stone. Happy holidays to you as we wind down 2021. This hour, we're going to look back at the year through the eyes of our ABC News podcast called Start Here. In July, the Department of Justice Inspector General Larry Horowitz released the investigation into the handling of the Larry Nasser sexual abuse allegations. Nasser was a Michigan State and USA gymnastics doctor who was sentenced up to 175 years in prison in 2018 after pleading guilty to seven counts of first-degree criminal sexual misconduct. In September, gymnasts Simone Biles, Michaela Maroney, Maggie Nichols, and Allie Raceman testified in front of Congress about the failures of the FBI during its investigation into Nassar. Start Here host Brad Milkey spoke with USA Today columnist Christine Brennan about the hearing.
0: For many hundreds of survivors of Larry Nassar, This hearing is one of our last opportunities to get justice.
2: This was not the story of one perpetrator. This was not just about remembering Larry Nassar's crimes. No, these gymnasts went to Congress specifically to tell our nation's leaders, your top law enforcement agency, the agency you people are supposed to be running, failed us. I want to warn our listeners, there will be descriptions of sexual assault here. So if you need to skip ahead, now is the time. But with that, let's go to Christine Brennan, sports columnist with USA Today, ABC News contributor. And she's actually been covering the story since it broke, which is years now. Right, Christine, what stuck out to you about this testimony yesterday?
3: Brad, the power is in the platform. Uh, a lot of what was said by Simone Biles and Ali Raisman, uh, Michaela Maroney and Maggie Nichols, a lot of it has been in reports or has been printed uh, in newspaper stories and online. Uh, it, some of it was new, but a lot of it wasn't.
4: I've had to be taken in an ambulance because I pass out and I'm I'm so sick from just the trauma. And it, it might not even be after a hearing like this. It just hits me out of the blue. Um,
3: to have us be reminded of the horrors of Larry Nassar, to see these incredible women Especially Simone Miles, Everyone just watched her six weeks ago in Tokyo and all that she went through there.
4: I worked incredibly hard to make sure that my presence could maintain a connection between the failures and the competition at Tokyo 2020. That has proven to be exceptionally difficult burden
3: for me to carry. It is a reminder uh, that that this never goes away, never goes away for them, and and that means it shouldn't ever go away for us. And the survivors
0: of Larry Nassar have a right to know why their well-being was placed in the jeopardy by these individuals who chose not to do their jobs. To date, no one from the FBI, the USOPC, or USAG has faced federal charges other than Larry
3: Nassar.
2: Hey, and can you help us understand then the, the allegations that these young women, not just of Nassar, but, but of law enforcement, of the FBI, what are they saying?
3: Right, the FBI knew basically in the summer of 2015 uh, that USA Gymnastics had done an investigation, went to the FBI office in Indianapolis, that's where USA Gymnastics headquarters are, and, and reported it.
5: USA Gymnastics officials described graphic information that had been provided by Ms. Maroney, Ms. Nichols, and Ms. Raisman and informed the FBI that all three athletes were available to be interviewed. However, it wasn't until six weeks later, on September 2nd, that the Indianapolis office interviewed Ms. Maroney by telephone, as you heard, and neither Ms. Nichols nor Ms. Raceman were ever interviewed by that office.
4: I then told the FBI about Tokyo, the day he gave me a sleeping pill for the plane ride, to then work on me later that night. That evening, I was naked,
3: completely alone, with him on top of me, molesting me for hours. This is the most sensitive conversation you could ever have. She's obviously a young woman. She's talking to a man, that point was made, about why aren't women interviewing these women.
4: I began crying at the memory over the phone, and there was just dead silence. I was so shocked at the agent's silence and disregard for my trauma. After that minute of silence, he asked, ''Is that all?''
3: What happened instead?'' It was more than a year before anything was done to stop Larry Nassar from doing the horrible things he was doing.
0: Larry Nassar was allowed to retire with his reputation intact and returned to Michigan State University, thus allowing dozens of little girls to be molested.
3: The best numbers that people have, between 70 and 120 women that we know of who were molested, sexually abused by Larry Nassar in that time period.
4: It was like serving innocent children up to a pedophile on a silver platter.
3: Those women would not have been victims of Larry Nassar if the FBI had done the most simple and basic thing, make a phone call, get the word to Michigan to stop this man or at least to look into him and see what's going on.
4: I am tired of waiting for people to do the right thing because my abuse was enough and we deserve justice.
3: That uh, FBI agent was fired just last week. Again, we're talking about 2015, 2016, 2017. He was fired last week. Oh, wow. How in the world did he last that long? And uh, of course, what uh, what the women, uh, the gymnasts, and some of the senators are asking for charges to be filed uh, It's just another one of the egregious uh, headlines in a story absolutely full of them.
4: And it disgusts me that we are still fighting for the most basic answers and accountability over six years later.
6: On behalf of the entire FBI, uh, I want to begin by saying to the brave women who testified here this morning, Ms. Biles, Ms. Maroni, Ms. Nichols, and Ms. Raisman, and I gather there were some others uh, here today who were among the many who Nasser hurt, I'm deeply And and profoundly sorry to each and every one of you.
2: We have, you know, people who have covered the Justice Department their entire career, right? They they cover the FBI. They've got sources within the FBI. Several of these reporters told us they were shocked how strongly FBI Director Christopher Wray reacted to all this, that he seemed to have this visceral reaction to hearing these stories. I'm wondering if you think that makes a difference down the road.
3: That's a good question. You know, I'm a sports journalist, so I'll kind of stick to sports. (laughs) But I agree completely with you that he was—he uh, was sounded like he was struck uh, to his core about
6: this. When I received the inspector general's report and saw that the supervisory special agent in Indianapolis had failed to carry out even the most basic parts of the job, I immediately made sure he was no longer performing the functions of a special agent. And I can now tell you that that individual no longer works for the FBI in any capacity.
3: But the guy was fired last week. Why wasn't he fired a few months ago?
6: Part of what was so uh, head-jerking to me is how inconsistent it is with what I see from the agents, analysts, and professional staff who work these cases every day.
3: Well, Uh, wow. If it was that unusual... I mean, we're talking about big-name Olympic stars, and they still blew it. How often do they ignore or you know file away to somewhere your average young person who's who's not a big name
4: I've watched multiple high ranking officials at USAG, USOPC, and FBI resign or retire without explanation of how they may have contributed to the problem.
3: I hope there is action. I have no idea what it would be, but uh, I do know I'm guessing that this is not the last we have seen of Allie Raisman and Simone Viles.
4: A message needs to be sent. If you allow a predator to harm children, the consequences will be swift and severe. Enough is enough.
2: Wow. And to put that all in contact with Simone Biles, who earlier this summer was essentially accused by some of not being enough of a team player. You imagine her looking around at the U.S. Olympic Committee, looking around at her country, wondering, where were you all when I needed you? All right, Christine Brennan with USA Today. Thank you so much.
3: Well, thank you very much, Brad. My pleasure
1: in 2021 asian americans said they feared for their safety from california to new york attacks on asian americans were caught on video seemingly unprovoked often elderly asian americans were attacked while going about their daily lives there was debate about the reason behind it whether it was fallout over anti-asian rhetoric linked to the coronavirus or something else The group Stop AAPI Hate reported from March of 2020 to September of this year, there were over 10,000 hate incidents against Asian American and Pacific Islanders in the U.S. Here again is Brad Milkey.
2: We've told you about the sharp rise in violent attacks recently against Asian Americans. Well, since then... We have witnessed more
6: the guy just peeked
5: out of the coffee shop and he goes i'll f you up and then all of a sudden um
2: he comes out and tosses like a a box of spoons at her on friday police arrested the man for attacking a woman in queens new york apparently this 52 year old woman asked a guy a question about the line in front of a bakery he started throwing things at her and then shoved her into a newspaper rack so hard that she passed out and needed to get stitches The woman happened to be a family friend of the actress Olivia Munn. Her post about it went viral. But this is just one of many attacks. And when we talk about hate crimes in this country, the majority of them are committed by white people. The most common victims are African-American and Jewish people. But do authorities respond differently when it's not in that same mold? And does it complicate how we think about these crimes? I wanna turn to ABC's Juju Chang, the co-anchor of Nightline, because Juju, when we were seeing these videos, particularly in the Bay Area, you could see lots of media, even a lot of authorities, just struggling with the question of how to address race because several of these attacks on Asian Americans were committed by black perpetrators. I think the suspect in Queens appeared to be Latino or maybe a white guy. And you've been examining whether that's relevant, but even more importantly, how hate crimes and racial violence are addressed in situations like this.
7: Absolutely. And I think what these videos trigger is some of the longstanding tensions between the African-American community and the Asian community. And that is the double-edged sword of all of this attention, right? Because we see a few surveillance videos that then become almost viral. They get played over and over and over again because Hollywood celebrities like Daniel Day Kim are coming forward.
2: The way we see it is that it's not one community against another. It's everyone versus racism.
7: In many ways, it's sort of like the Asian George Floyd video. It's so compelling Mm. when you see somebody's life senselessly taken away. But like in a lot of situations, when you dig deeper, there's much more complexity. So for example, one of the 19-year-old suspects who was... um, arrested for the murder of an 84-year-old Asian man, his lawyer said, you know, his client had no knowledge of the race of the victim because he was wearing a hat and his face was covered, that he's biracial himself and has Asians in his family, and that this was not a bias crime, and that, in fact, it was the mental break of a teenager she did get like really bad bruises in one case a 70 year old grandmother was pushed to the ground and beaten three other incidents in the bay area which account for this sort of what's seen as this rash of attacks on older asian americans that young man has a history of mental illness as well and has spent time subsequently in the psych ward so we have to look deeper and broader and and when i interviewed daniel Day kim he said look We can talk about the nuances of each and every case, but what we need to get at is why is it that even in these disturbed, perhaps, psyches, that it's okay to attack someone that
2: vulnerable? It is not just a Black and Asian issue. It is something in the psyche of this country where somehow it's okay to abuse physically or uh, verbally abuse Asian Americans. I was going to say, like, even if race was irrelevant in, in a certain case or something, being Asian-American, like that's not ancillary to so many of these crimes that we've seen because it's such a clear uptick over the last year.
7: Absolutely. And what advocates have shown by tallying the crimes, um, that there were thousands of incidents that directly spiked after the former president started using phrases like Mm. Wuhan flu and Kung flu. It's
6: not racist at all. No, not at all.
8: It comes from China.
7: And there has, as I said, been this sense that Asians are other, right? That they're not fully American. And so it's easy to tap into that. But it's it's classic scapegoating. The man who was shoved and killed, he's Thai. You know, half of the uh, Asian Americans who were, uh, were hurt on the street in these hate attacks, they're not even... Chinese. They've never even been to China. They're Americans who've been born here. And that's the message that I spoke to Congresswoman uh, Grace Meng. There are always instances where we are made to feel that we are foreigners.
1: I'm calling about the Karate Kid virus. Hey, you look like a Chinese virus, you fat slob.
7: I started to get voicemails uh, through our office voicemail box you know, criticizing me, um, saying that, of course the virus came from China. And she literally, I was so surprised, got emotional, started crying because she said, I've been calling out for a year into the wilderness, asking people to pay attention to these hate crimes. You know, please somebody pay attention. Please, you know, notice us, give me confirmation that, you know, I am American too. And I just haven't been able to feel that in a long time. And then she went on to tell me about the talk.
2: What's the talk?
7: The talk that she was having with her two young sons. I said, look, you know, this is what's going on. There are people in this country who will take a look at you and without knowing anything about you, may call you something that uh, is derogatory, may even try to cause harm to you. And I said to her at the time, like, it sounds like the talk that African-Americans have with their young children.
2: It's interesting, I think, that you mentioned the talk, Juju, because... I do think there's like a specific stereotype that Asian Americans have been contending with for years like that. Uh, you've called it before that the model minority myth and all the talk about how how well Asian American families are doing. And yet it obscures the, the very violent, very antagonistic type of racism that Asian Americans are also familiar with.
7: Absolutely. And, you know, the model minority myth, and it is that it's a myth because, you know, often the success of crazy rich Asians and bling empire makes it seem like Asians are all prosperous, but they're not. Poverty levels for Asian Americans in urban settings is as high as African Americans. And so they were rendered invisible. And so that is a, a, a way in which Asian Americans have been pitted against other minority groups to say, right. why can't you be like the Asians? But the truth is, that is a fallacy.
6: There was a man out here who says, we're all trained to shoot. Why, what, what, what's the feeling? Well, see, uh, we have no hatred towards black people. We have nothing against
7: anybody. All we wanted to do is uh, work hard and make it like the rest of us. And, you know, we point we know. back to the, uh, the the unrest after the Rodney King verdicts. You know, it was Korean shop owners against um, African-Americans. People are driving by, shooting at us, and we have to do something about it. We have no police support whatsoever. So there is right. this history of tension that, that these groups have been working for. The pain of the Asian community has been muted for decades. We followed a young activist by the name of Will Lex Ham.
2: We're sick and tired of being invisible and ignored in our country.
7: And part of his inspiration, ironically, is the protests following George Floyd's murder. We are the
1: voice of the voiceless. We are the voice of the voiceless. We will not go
7: it is a racial awakening for Asian Americans as well. And when I talked to Daniel Day Kim, he said, I was out on the streets protesting and saw so many Asian Americans out there too, protesting for Black lives. And that this is the time for us to unite as, as people of color, as people who have been seen as other or you know had uh, racial injustice visited upon us to find our new political voice and now call for full racial healing.
2: All right, Juju Chang, thanks so much.
7: You're welcome, Brad, anytime.
1: Coming up, another Michigan community fights for lead free water. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Welcome back to the 2021 Year in Review from ABC News. Join us as we look back at some of the top stories as they were originally reported. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Alex Stone. Welcome back. When you think of a lead water crisis in Michigan, Flint probably first comes to mind. But another town, Benton Harbor, has faced the same crisis for a few years. This October, Benton Harbor's disaster reached a new level with Michigan officials handing out cases of water due to elevated levels of lead. Brad spoke with local activist, Reverend Edward Pinckney, about the crisis.
2: When did you notice a change in the water? Like, was there a a day?
8: This started in 2018. One of my good friends, she's a member of the Benton Harbor Community Water Council. And her daughter came in from Texas and she wanted to take a bath. And when she uh, started to run the water, she noticed that the water was was yellow. Hmm. So she asked her mom how long the water been like this. She said it's been like this for over a year. So she called me and I told her to take two jugs down the city hall and show the commission and the mayor that, you know, the water and the the coloration of the water and everything else. When she took it down there, he refused to even look at it, Hmm. saying that the water is good. The water is good. That's what his message was. You know, I don't know where you got that from, that water is good. And then she brought it to me, and I sent it out to the University of Michigan Biological Lab, and it came back over 300 parts per billion.
2: Yeah, and the numbers are important here, right? Because the state health department has said, if the lead is over 15 parts per billion in your water, that's when they want to take action. You're saying this was 300 parts per billion, not 15, 300. So is this a citywide thing? Like your house right now, is it that same yellow color?
8: First thing in the morning, most likely you're going to get yellow water. Hmm. Okay. But here's here's what they tell you here. Let the water run for five to 10 minutes before you do anything. And it could go as high as 15 to 20 minutes of running the water. And can you imagine the the water bill behind this? Can you imagine that?
1: When are we going to get it fixed? How long will it take? What can I
6: do with water?
8: It is the lead pipes. That is the issue here. The lead, it has built up inside the lead pipes. and, And now it's coming into the faucet, into your drinking water, every time you turn the faucet on. Here's what I want, done, You know, I want them to bring in the army engineers. I I think the level of concentration should be on removing the pipes immediately. But,
2: But just so I'm clear, Reverend, and I think this is where some of the biggest arguments have come from, is how can you tell that this is a citywide problem and not a household problem? Because they've been testing these houses for three years now. This year, they counted 11 homes, I'm reading, where levels are over that action threshold. So are you really going to change out all the pipes in town because of 11 houses? Would that be the responsible thing here?
8: Well, here's the problem with that. Uh, We only tested 63 homes at first and found 11 homes that had above the 15 action level. We also had maybe 20 to 25 homes that was below. No
7: amount of lead is safe. Um, and that's why we've got to get the lead service
8: lines out of the system. Lead is, is a silent killer. It may not kill you today. It may just give you kidney disease or liver disease or brain damage. That's what lead does. Well, And we've
2: seen this issue in bigger cities, right? Benton Harbor, just 10,000 people. Benton Harbor's also 80% black, right? I'm wondering if you think that plays into how this has been handled, why you're not getting the answers that you want.
8: Envi- environmental racism is 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 it is, is the answer. There's there's no way around it. Mm. And and if there was a, a a a white woman with a little baby in her arms get on TV and start crying, they would send the Pentagon out here. The Pentagon. They would send FEMA. They would send the army out here. They would immediately jump on this. But it's a black city, and you even got your elected officials basically not knowing, they, don't, they do not have the wisdom, the knowledge to understand what lead is. And they will say, they will try to downplay it like it's not a big thing. This is a major thing. This could affect the city of Benton Harbor for generations.
2: When I should say, we actually reached out to the mayor of Benton Harbor, Marcus Mohammed. We asked if they had indeed taken a look at those jugs you mentioned early on, if they've been downplaying the issue to residents. And he directed us to a statement in which he said the state is now formalizing how seriously they're taking this right now because the lieutenant governor yesterday said all lead pipes in the city will be replaced within 18 months. I'm sure, that feels like a long way away to you, though. Uh, Reverend Pinkney, thank you so much for the time. Really
8: appreciate it. And thank you.
1: If you heard the name GameStop before this year, you probably had the experience of trying to sell old video games back to the company for very little money. But this year, the company became synonymous with a new fad via a Reddit thread called Wall Street Bets. ABC's Rebecca Jarvis broke it down with Brad. Can you just back us up here? Explain from the beginning. Like, What what is
2: happening here?
0: Yeah, it's a wild story. It has popped up. Virtually overnight into the mainstream, but it's been going on for a while now. So on Reddit, there is this community called Wall Street Bets. And inside of that community, there are now more than 3 million members talking stocks 24 7.
3: You made 25 grand so far today. I'm down four grand. What am I doing?
0: It's been around for a while, but it got really big in the pandemic, Brad, because there were a lot of young Gen Z millennials sitting around at home, either going to school remotely or working from home, and they started day trading.
6: You never were a fan of advice from strangers. Why should investing be any different?
0: They also have a whole host of technologies at their fingertips, things like the Robinhood app.
6: Robinhood is investing your way. Unlimited free trades. Always.
0: So, what happens Welcome is all these people get together on Reddit. You can go and read the Wall Street Bets thread, and they start getting ideas from each other. And one of the ideas that came onto the thread a while ago was GameStop.
8: Games, gear,
5: knowledge. GameStop, power to the players.
0: And a lot of people thought, well, why GameStop? I mean, that's a company that's closing locations. They're not expected to be profitable for a handful of years until somebody put forward this idea that GameStop had this gigantic vulnerability inside of it as as a stock. Wall Street's elite had been taking the side of borrowing gigantic sums of money, betting that GameStop would crash. It's called shorting stocks. And a lot of hedge funds do this when they believe a company might fail. They might crash, they might go bankrupt. So they short the stock. But in order to short the stock, you have to borrow heavily to sell shares of that company Thinking that you're gonna be able to in the future scoop it up at a lower price. That's that's what's known as shorting the stock. And GameStop is a company that has a huge amount of this going on. And these members of the Reddit community, Wall Street Bets, see this and they realize it's a vulnerability they might be able to exploit. And they might be able to put some of Wall Street's greatest Titans in the corner and really stick it to them out shares of GameStop surging another 51% today. The record move driven by a retail rebellion. And so in the last couple of weeks, we start to see people who are getting ideas on Wall Street bets buying shares of GameStop. And they're sending the price up over the last three weeks, Brad, by more than 16,000%.
5: These old dudes
0: in hedge funds are so scared of us. Basically made enough to cash out on a Lamborghini Aventador. Game over. Game stop to the moon. Keep in mind, this is a company that was worth $4 a year ago. It is now worth almost $400. And in just the last couple of days, it's more than doubled.
2: Uh, after the close, Elon Musk jumping into the action tweeting, game stonk which is a reference to the popular meme and linking to the Wall Street Bets Reddit page.
0: Well, obviously, this is terrible for the big Wall Street titans that have borrowed all this money, fully expecting the company to tank. Instead, it's rising. That is going to cost you billions of dollars. Wow,
2: but then, just so I'm clear, Rebecca, at the end of the day, this is not a company that's worth that much, is it? Like, not in a way that justifies the stock price, right? So wouldn't this price have to come tumbling down at some point?
0: Well, it's funny you bring that up because I've talked to some of the people who are buying this stock because of what they're reading. They're 20 and 19-year-old college students. I, I talked to a guy in his dorm room. He doesn't believe it's worth even $220.
5: I know personally near where I am, um, I've seen probably four or five GameStops shut You know, shut their doors within the last year.
0: But what he I mean, thinks is think there's momentum and he's a part of that. That's and right. And I think... What we have to also realize here is that this is becoming entertainment.
5: A lot of it, to be honest, is very impulsive. Um, I, you know, it's a lot of what people do is basically, you know, gambling on this.
0: People are doing to, you know, this among their friends. And there's also that feeling. And and this is something I've talked to a lot of the people who are doing this as well. There's that feeling of like, oh, Well, if my neighbor or my roommate just made $10,000 and it was nothing, then why am I so silly that I'm not a
5: participant? Probably going to get out sooner than later, but for right now, I want to ride this,
8: hopefully to the moon
2: fascinating moment happening here. And people on Wall Street are paying attention. They're saying, look, this could be bigger than just a few stocks and some people in a chat room. This could really represent a larger turning of the tide the way that we saw in the aftermath of the economic collapse. Uh, Rebecca Jarvis, thank you.
0: Thanks, Brad.
1: We've lived with them for a long time. It's why you have virus and malware protection on your computer. Cyberattacks are not a new phenomenon, and 2021 was no different. Although, attackers went to new heights. Meat supplier JBS was hit with a ransomware attack over Memorial Day weekend. The same for an IT company over the Fourth of July holiday. But arguably, there was no bigger attack than what happened over Mother's Day weekend. Gas supply operator Colonial Pipeline was hit with a cyber attack. Here's Brad again. As of this morning, a pipeline that supplies gas for about half the East Coast
2: is out of commission. This has implications from the Pentagon all the way to your pocket. ABC's chief investigative reporter, Josh Margolin, is with us. Josh, can you just explain how this unfolded?
5: Brad, we all woke up Saturday morning to, to news that had come out overnight that the Colonial Pipeline was offline, and it was offline because of a cyber attack. And then as the day developed on Saturday... More information came out, and as it turns out, it looks like, uh, preliminary information, of course, because the investigation is still ongoing, looks like that uh, a gang of hackers who operate out of Eastern Europe dispatched some sort of ransomware, you know, a software product into the Colonial Pipeline Information Technology Systems, their computer systems, and the pipeline operators seem to have been able to take their systems offline before the malicious software was triggered, and that's what they did. So
2: just so I'm clear then, you're saying, according to the sources that you're talking to, that these attackers had software that could have given them like, access to do some really damaging things, but before they did that, the company shut the pipeline down themselves, right?
5: It, it, that's where we are? Right. Well, actually, it, it, ironically, it's almost a good news story because what happened here is the attack was detected before the malicious software could be triggered. The pipeline took everything offline so they could immediately do this gargantuan cybersecurity effort to see what was the breach, how serious was it? Because the fear is that if their system stayed online, that the, the trigger mechanism in the software could have been set off and kind of like a time bomb that something could happen. Because the question is, okay, fine hey, they turned off the switch, they fixed the problem, why not turn the switch back on? Well, obviously, it's more complicated than that when you're running a colossal fuel pipeline. They need to get into all of the software, all of the systems, and see what was the damage because there could be some sort of a time bomb Mm. lurking inside the software. How big of a deal is this compared to other attacks? I mean, we've seen ransomware
2: attacks, which makes you think like, oh, it's 50 bucks to get back in your email. This Like, where does this rank compared to things that national security experts have been warning you about? This happens to be very,
5: very big. And out of that massive cyber attack targeting the government's top agencies, dozens of U.S. networks breached, including Treasury, State, Homeland Security and the Department of Energy. The concern here, Brad, is that these are getting bigger and that there are likely, according to federal experts. There are likely more of these to come, but just think about it. Everything is now digitized. Authorities
2: in
6: Florida are revealing a dangerous
2: cyber attack. A hacker attempting to
6: poison a town's water supply. Someone remotely accessed the computer system that he was monitoring.
5: It's not just that somebody has some unpleasant emails with secret information. Everything is run by cyber. You've heard the phrase Internet of Things. That refers to the fact that even your toaster oven at home is working on on digital technology. Imagine how dangerous it could be because your nuclear plant is running on digital technology. So bottom line is, does it really matter how many ships and soldiers you have if if the nation's national security can be compromised Mm. because of a bunch of hackers in Eastern Europe?
2: Josh Margolin. Thanks.
5: Hey, thanks, Brett.
1: And that was 2021, as reported by our ABC Daily podcast, Start Here. The 2021 Year in Review was produced by Layton Schneider. I'm Alex Stone, ABC News, wishing you and your family the very best during this holiday season. This has been a special presentation from ABC News.
8: People who disappear without a trace. Where is she? The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers.
6: There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him.
8: For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen.